Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You look so pretty as you ride the You look so pretty as you were singing this song. The Mojo Radio Show. On the road with the Tour de Cure's 10th anniversary ride. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Nice to have you in the house. This is a very different show. You can probably tell by the quality of my voice in this recording. I am out of the studio. I am currently on the road. This week is Tour de Cure week. We left Brisbane last Friday. Channel 7 Sunrise set us off from under the Story Bridge in Brisbane. We're now riding down the coast and inland through Armidale and Tamworth back out to the coast and then we're back down to Sydney. So I'm coming to you from the road. Uh, Robbo, I guess you're missing me there in the studio, buddy. Oh, mate, there's a there's a hole in the couch where you once were. <laughs> <laughs> a little hole. Yeah, a big uh, hole. But nevertheless, a small, a small dint. Let's use that a small dint. Yeah, it, it saves me on some coffee, though, I've got to admit. Tell you what, mate, after having a few days on my... Look, I love my specialised bike. I've got a tarmac. It's a beautiful bike. Mm. Thank you to all our friends that specialise for my bike. However, i got to say, mate, sitting in a couch right now just sounds like bliss after yeah, having bet. my butt on a bike seat <laughs> for day after day, hour after hour. So uh, yeah. anyway, first of all, Still problem. a long way to go, though, huh? We have. Things been good. We left uh, in traditional Tour de Cure style. We left Brisbane in the rain on no, Sunrise. Really? <laughs> Mark Beretta uh, and all the crew, mm. Koshi and Sam and stuff from Sunrise set us off. We had a couple of solid first days mm. um, the, I must say the road quality hasn't been great so we've had a lot of mechanicals and a few uh, few issues on the road so mm. we've been getting in pretty late at night hence the reason this show has been recorded in the wee hours of the evening and uh, another big day tomorrow but I've, I've been catching up with some special guests mate so right. um, okay. it has been very very worthwhile being on the road from a, a Mojo radio show perspective mm. um, but I just I, I just thought it might be just to quickly put people, our international guests who may not be aware of the Tour de Cure and what this charity or this foundation is about, that in 2007, I got together with uh, a mate of mine called Jeff Coombs and we had this dream of doing something for society because none of us had, we'd, neither of us had done anything for anybody in our lives. Hmm. And uh, I was a broken down runner, so my running career was hmm. over and we decided to put together a cycling foundation and raise some money for something. We chose cancer because it doesn't discriminate and a little girl, three years old, can get cancer and I mean, she did nothing wrong. She didn't smoke, she didn't eat badly, she wasn't stressed, she just got given a bad hand. So mm-hmm. that's, how it's, uh, that's how it started. And today, here we are, we are on their way down the coast. We've got 140 full, full riders who are riding the 10 day, 1500 kilometer journey. We are currently at about $4.25 million, I think, raised with a view of hopefully getting to 4.5, if not more, on, on the journey. Well, your website says 4.37 right now. 
It's been a good day, my friend. <laughs> Gee, that's jumped. That's that's jumped significantly today. Well, there you go. People throwing money at you as you're riding through town. Is that it? It's throwing money at me left, right, and centre. <laughs> and I've got to say, just a quick shout out too. I uh, was a guest on Pete Harrison, our a uh, good mate from Fish River Roasters. He's also mm. a radio announcer on 2BS B Rock FM in oh, really? uh, the Central West. And when yeah. I rolled in this afternoon after uh, doing all the mechanical repairs and so on, he got me on the line and we did a live uh, live cross, there as we go. say in the business. You used to so, do a bit um, of imaging for good old B-Rock. <laughs> did you? <laughs> in fact, listen to this. Another high school hit. There you go. Oh. So listen, uh, tell me something. Four, $4.3 million, that's a lot of money. What do you do with all that? Uh, that's a good good question, my friend. We um, The money is used for three things, research, support, and prevention of cancer in men, women, and children. Mm. We Each year we put out a tender. Mm. Uh, where people who are in the business of research, support or prevention for men, women and children can uh, put an expression of interest in to say, we'd like to fund this project, we'd like this amount of money to do it, here's who's behind it, here's why we think it's a great idea. And we, in the research part, we have a medical uh, board uh, who are very, very bright people who sit down (laughs) and interpret all the expressions of interest in a, from a research perspective and then we put common sense to it and we choose the people that we believe in mm. to find great research and we now have funded I think 15 or 18 international breakthroughs, published yeah. international breakthroughs that have led to great discoveries in cancer research mm. uh, and then we look at people who are doing great work in support like you know setting up support groups and that sort of stuff and we use our best common sense to pick out people we believe in who will use the money wisely and then we also do uh, prevention programs like through schools we've visited 60 odd thousand children so far in schools we did three schools today another thousand children we go in and educate kids on how it works and other community projects that people are running around uh, Australia to help people understand what can be done to prevent getting cancer. So it's actually very, it's quite methodical in how we do it. We've had a lot of, obviously, 10 years of history of doing it. We've backed quite a few winners thus far. Um, And uh, it's a very diligent process we go through because we, since the beginning we started the the, the whole charity, we, we take it very, very seriously. Somebody gives us... Ten dollars, fifty dollars, or a hundred thousand dollars. We we make every cent work its its head off in order to cure cancer. So to, mm, to make mm. make they make the world a better place for all of us. So yeah, that's a good question. Well, that's nice. Well done. So um yeah. so by just looking at the website, it seems like uh, you either sign up for the full tour or you sign up for stages. Is that right? Yeah, there's 140 guys. will do the whole guys and girls. We'll do the whole uh, tour yep. for ten days. And then we have guest rider stages, uh, as we're currently going through now, where guys will sign up and do either three stages, the mountain stages with us, or they'll do the two stages, day eight and nine. And they join our pack, and our pack will swell from, say, 140 to 180. And they will basically live with us, travel with us, have access to our mechanics, our catering truck. They're in our same kit, and they just become part of our team, but for two days. And they do their yeah. own fundraising. So their fundraising targets are different to the full tour riders. But it's you know it just makes it accessible for those people who maybe can't get 10 days off. 
Yeah. Uh, but two days suits them, or they don't have the fitness or the wellness to do ten days, but they still want to be involved, and they challenge themselves for two days. So, um, and it's kind of fun when new blood comes into the peloton. Yeah, it's still good amounts of money they've got to raise. Though. I'm looking at figures here: six thousand and three and a half thousand. That's all good money. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's all right. it's all very valuable, and the majority of our money comes from the team themselves. And we have some amazing corporate partners, like you'll hear tonight. You know, Murray King from Optus, and the guys from Lexus are amazing, and Woolworths and Combank and O-Media. Like, we have some amazing uh, corporate partners. Mm. Uh, however, the the driver behind the fundraising with the success we've had is from the team members themselves on and off the bike, yeah. Yeah, right. Nice yeah. one. Well, it sounds like uh, you've been out and about in the last couple of days. You've got a few interviews up your sleeve. Who are you going to kick us off with? Well, I'm going to kick you off with Murray King, who's the CFO of Optus. And Optus have been supporting us now for some seven years, Hmm. one of Australia's great telecommunications companies. And Murray is riding with us, as is quite a few people from Optus. Okay. And I caught up with Murray tonight just before dinner Hmm. to just get an understanding of Optus' involvement and uh, why it's so important to him personally, his family, and also for the team at Optus. Murray, you've now been uh, a supporter of the Tour de Cure for seven years, is that right? That's right, Gary. Seven years Optus has been involved. So started off, we got involved around 2008, 2009 with some guest days and then we've been full sponsor since then and, and really we've found it a great, uh, great partnership. It allows us to not only join with a significant charitable organisation and raising significant funds in respect to fight against cancer, but what we really like is how we engage at the community school level, at community dinners, and what Tour de Cure gives back at, the very, at those communities. It's very humbling when you come into these communities and you hear exactly how you know the locals are trying to do their best in the fight against cancer and what the Tour de Cure can mean, the difference uh, for them. Uh, we find this is a great way that we can lend our brand to that. So, Murray, and it is, I mean, you're one of the great brands in our country and it's here in Australia. What's it meant internally? What what have you seen happen internally with the, the journey you've been on with the Tour de Cure? Yeah, it's evolved over the last seven years, Gary. It's been quite interesting. So initially it was seen as sort of a riders event. So, you know, those that do a lot of riding, super fit. But then obviously, you know, we have a lot of people across the organisation that have been touched with cancer. So then they saw what we were doing in relation to raising funds. And then we've also um, visited some of uh, our staff schools. They've seen what we've done with regards to communication with the kids in relation to being fit, being healthy, being happy and cancer awareness and it's now become quite widespread across the organisations. You don't have to be a rider, so obviously we've got, I think, eight riders doing the full tour this year, but we've got two doing support staff. We had a couple last year doing a support staff uh, on the full tour. We do uh, have uh, staff that get involved in the country tours, both riders and support staff. So it's getting more and more participation, and the good thing is I think it's just continuing to associate us with putting back into the community and helping charitable organisations like the Tour de Cure. Tell me something, Murray. I've always been impressed. Like, you're the CFO of one of Australia's great brands. You're here with your bum on the seat doing the miles. We did a lot of miles today. We, we had, we had we a good did. day together. Yeah. We've had former CEOs of Optus riding. Yeah. We've had senior executives riding. Yeah. For people listening who are wanting to get involved with a purpose, make yeah. a difference, yeah. how important is it for the senior leaders to actually do the work and get out there and get amongst it? 
Oh, I think it's very important. I think you've got to walk the talk at the yeah. end of the day. The staff, you know, putting we can put a lot of money to a lot of good causes, but us getting involved demonstrates to the staff our commitment because words on a page mean something, putting money means something, but actually when you see senior people getting involved and actually taking their time out and doing the hard yards, I think demonstrates a high level of commitment. I think the staff engage with that, understand it, and believe that we are serious about these type of activities. And what's it meant to you and your family to be involved with this? Oh, I think it's awakening for us. I think, you know, when we first went into it, it was, I was very interested in it from the cycling perspective and also, uh, as I said, making a difference from an office perspective. But uh, my wife has survived uh, uh, ovarian can cancer and that was a motivation for me. And then she's become involved as well and understood what we've been doing. So I think generally it's allowed us to understand that the tour and what it does. And I've, I've made this statement a number of times. And the thing I like about the tour is firstly it changes people's lives. It makes a big difference to people's lives and secondly it's the commitment and, the, and of the individuals involved whether they're like me, senior people in organisations or just ordinary ordinary tradespeople, whatever they have made a big commitment and just being involved with such motivated people just lifts you. Well Murray, we love having you on the tour. You're a great man. Optus as a partner for us, they say elephants dance with elephants. We couldn't ask for a better elephant to dance with than Optus. So Mate, you're doing a great job on the road. Thank you to all the team at Optus. Thank you to all the management team at Optus. And, mate, um, we love having you on the road. Well, thank you to the Cure because, again, we think it's a fantastic uh, organisation. We think it's a fantastic event. It's just gone from strength to strength. It raises some serious money now. But, uh, what, as I said, what I really like about it is far more than just the money. It is about how you engage with the community. So we're really happy to be involved with the tour. And long mate, last. The Mojo Radio Show. So uh, the interview was over and it was off for pies and chips and beers, is it? Yeah, in that order. <laughs> in that order? <laughs> I would have put beer first. <laughs> Car no, we carving up. Carving get them, up. Get, them, get their guards into you, mate. That must be the nice no. thing, mate, having the chocolate bar and not having to feel too guilty about it, right? Well, it, it's, I tell you a, a true story. No one knows this, but I'm about to interview uh, a guy called Drew Ginn. Mm. Now, Drew is a three-time Olympic gold medalist. He's also won a silver medal, um, all in rowing. He is part of the awesome foursome. He's just, I've got to tell you, mate, he is a crackingly nice bloke. He's humble. Mm. He is intelligent. He's funny. He's just, mate, he, he, he is an all-round good guy. And uh, we had a very long chat tonight after dinner, and... <laughs> Then once I'd stopped recording, we kept on chatting, and I think we chatted for almost an hour just on it's all sorts of things, our families and philosophy and things we're into and his sporting career. And then I said, mate, I've got to let you go to bed. And we went off in our different ways. And then I was walking back to the cabins we're staying in and we crossed paths. He's got this massive maxi bond stuff in his face. <laughs> <laughs> I went, where is he? He said, oh, I may as well a little treat. He said, you know, when you're a sportsman, he said, you've got to have your little treats, haven't you? And here he is, half dad. He's just scoffed this thing in three mouthfuls. But uh, Man after my own heart. He is, mate. He is such a cool guy. So let's run the interview. This is me catching up with Drew Ginn after dinner tonight, Olympic uh, gold medalist, and he also had a real crack at the 24-hour uh, cycling record. You'll hear about what he did and how he did it. Extraordinary human being and a top bloke, uh, Drew Ginn. Robbo, it, it's, it's so 
amazing to be sitting at dinner and look across and seeing a guy that's achieved so much in a sport that I have got so much admiration for with rowers. But Drew, you've got your own backstory which brings you into the Tour de Cure. Tell us, tell us a little about the backstory that brings you here because you're now riding with us for the next number of days, roll away to Sydney. Why, why are you here? Oh, well, for a long time, uh, I remember first uh, being contacted about potentially doing you know, maybe a stage or two years ago, and for a long time, uh, the notion of actually doing a tour to cure a ride was of interest, and, mm. uh, and Jeff's name came up a few times and a couple of people who knew him, and, uh, and was never really here, but also probably never really ready as well. And so recently, what's really happened for me is a lot of family and friends have been affected by cancer, and uh, brought up a lot of memories about my mum from when she passed away when I was 12. And uh, in fact, today, as I said to you before, mm. riding through Southport, uh, she passed away at Southport Hospital, and um, it was really emotional. So, mm. things, so it wasn't anything I anticipated or expected, you know, but I've come on the ride purely for the fact that um, I've had that moment in my past, but I want to make a difference and I don't want to be you know, an athlete that's just taken out of their sport. Mm. Um, you know, I've been successful, but I like the idea of giving back and I, and I like the idea of meeting inspirational people that keep inspiring me to do more and more things. And you know what? My kids. Mm. My kids... You know, I love the idea of seeing a world that's better for them in the future and mm. if we have a future without cancer, that'd be great. Mm. Tell me, Drew, when you, when you are in that place, I mean, rowing's a brutal sport. You've also had a crack at the 24-hour cycling record, which I'll talk about, because that just blows my mind with going around a velodrome for 24 hours at the speed you were doing. But when you're doing that and you, you hit those places where you need to draw something from inside, Drew Ginn, to keep going, where, where do you draw that from? What do you say to yourself? What's going through your mind? Look, I think over what's well, been 18 years um, it's changed and changed a lot mm. you know? so early on it was probably coming from a place of fear um, fear of stuffing up in front of people fear of not you know not being good enough and all that sort of stuff and probably later on in my career it changed into being um, more of a blissful sort of state where you were trying to sort of center yourself and be true to yourself and be true to the cause of what you're working to in combination and so for me I always love the passion and the feeling of You've gone through something with someone in training, and often we're in pairs, but even in fours, where you've been through, through so many yeah. things, highs and lows, all the crap um, that abates the arguments and everything like that, and you've seen each other for who you really are, and you feel compelled to you know, see that relationship through. Mm. And I think individually, you get to the point of realising you go, that there is no reason to not put out your best. Mm. You know, and, and the pain and the fatigue and all that sort of stuff is you know, all inside that. And, just accepting that it's there, you know, and, and not getting stressed about it, not getting worried about it, not trying to run away from it is probably the thing. So for me, it was always a dream to become an athlete, and I always aspired to guys like the Awesome Force and James Tompkins, Mike McKay, Nick Green, um, Andrew Cooper, and you know, so to get a chance to do what they were doing yeah. you know, set me up on a path which made me realise that it was actually possible. Mm. So as my career's gone on, I've realised that there actually are no limitations on what you can actually do. Um, and, and I love team sports because what we can actually do together is so much vaster maybe than what the individual truly believes in and yes. creating a collective belief and that was the thing about London was having a bunch of new athletes and sort of saying how do we in six months turn this into something that really does challenge for a gold medal but more importantly challenges for a meaningful experience where I don't know you've got a connection where you look at each other and you know, and it's not about a medal it's not about the games it's actually about the experience you go through and the relationship you have together mm. and, uh, and I think that's the relationship with self and it's the relationship with others and if it's not clear, transparent and true then, I don't know, you feel like you're a fraud mm. and I think 
you can get any result, and if you feel like you're true to self, then it's satisfying. Do you take stock every now and then, Drew? Do you sit down and do an audit on Drew to go, am I being true to self? Am I really doing what I believe? Are these thoughts I'm having true or false? Do you do you physically take stock of yourself from time to time and just have a good look at yourself, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. I think for me, I've found I've always been really reflective, mm. and um, I think it's sort of been a bit of an intuitive sort of thing, and, and maybe it goes back to sort of losing a parent when you're young, where you sort of stop and not so much reflecting on losing men but just reflecting on yourself and what this all mean and so and I think I've had a number of great coaches that have been really good at actually providing re review and reflection and you know, the natural thing is let's reflect the performance you know? and the really good ones actually get you to go okay that's the result that's the outcome but how do we now dig into the interpersonal stuff and then how do we dig into you, you know? and the you is really hard because I don't know if a lot of people this makes sense to but um, dealing with it, things like ego, dealing with things um, like um, pain or associations or habits, just certain th thought habits. Unless you sit with yourself for a long enough time and really sort of push yourself to go deeper and deeper, um, it's too easy to accept the surface. And the surface is very defensive as far as I'm concerned. So if my wife says to me, why did you do that? And I come out with a quick response. She's like, well, yeah, that doesn't really feel like it's right. And I go, well, yeah, you're right. I'm getting out of something here. And I think as an athlete, you can get out of something by getting a result and having an excuse. So I've spoken to my kids a lot about, you know, like take time to actually sit with those things you're giving as reasons. Because on the surface, there are excuses. But if you dig into them, eventually you'll actually find a sense of self as to what did I do to contribute to this. You know, and that for me takes a lot of time. And, um, and a lot of people aren't, I find, in sport aren't actually willing to invest that time but for me all the great athletes who have had significant time performing they've done that so is that a is that a, a, a matter of taking time like silence yeah. and stillness drew to sit with yourself maybe a journal and to start to dig and question yourself on things the journal it's funny you say that so i was journaling as a young athlete and didn't know why really couldn't work out why but because i was doing things like art at school, I always had art teachers who would always say, get down every thought, you know, get down every idea. And for me in sport, it was a natural extension of sort of saying, we have an experience out there, say in athletics or swimming. And so I found I'd write. Now initially, what I was journaling about was the frustrations. Mm. People not getting me or people not getting the outcome or the situation or people taking you the wrong way. And then over time, you sort of started to realize that cathartic process is helpful, but it had to become even more um, processed than that. Um, I've got notes and notes and notes. And, and for me, it's a rambling. That's the interesting part. It's a conscious flow. But eventually, it actually becomes coherent because you write your stuff, you read it back, you write some more stuff. Um, and after a while, you become better at that process of actually getting the stuff out in a clearer form. So big fan of journaling and a big fan of then having the conversations with people who matter mm. yeah, and what I've noticed in rowing is Mike Mackay taught us this in 96 if you don't have those honest conversations with people around you it's really easy to be tripped up when the pressure comes on and if you're not true to self but not true to the group around you you know all of a sudden you can say you want a gold medal when push comes to shove you get to see how people really wanting a gold medal mm. you know they really want to have that performance that isn't perfect but is pushing themselves as far as possible. So the reflective process for me sets you up to be able to sit in that space really well with others and have the honest conversation. So Drew, we're sitting in a shed and we have either completed a rowing session or about to go and do one. Coach pulls you aside and says, Drew, got a second mate? He sits you down. Tell me a question that a great coach would ask you or put to you 
that would help you dig down to self? Because I find that very interesting. And I, I firmly believe that a lot of people today are drifting through their world, aren't in touch with their true self. Yeah until something happens, we lose a loved one or we get a diagnosis or we lose a job we never thought we'd lose and suddenly it's like, wow, what's it all about? This coach says, I want you to think about this question to dig down to true self. What would that question be, do you reckon? I can give you a, an answer in terms of what the example was for me. 1993, Noel Donaldson said, why are you here? Wow. And my first answer was, oh, because it's a part of the state team. Half an hour later, eventually, I got to something that it seemed truer for me at the time, which was I want to win a gold medal, I want to be like the awesome force. Mm. And, you know, so that was a nice step mm. from the notion of state championships or um, that sort of stuff. I found that that question then could keep going, you know, because it's just a universal question. Mm. You know, and if you accept the first response, mm. okay, that's the level you're at, but just keep going, why? And why really? So in uh, 2006 with Duncan Free, I asked him the same question. Yeah, effectively, why do you want to do this? And uh, his first thing was, oh, I want to win a gold medal. And I sat there, and the way he said it, I just turned to him and said, well, I reckon that's bullshit. <laughs> and he got a bit antsy, and yeah, we were good friends, so I think he understood where I was sort of coming from in a sense. And I said, look, mate, in three years' time, if we make it to the games and we're forming, I'll keep challenging you, because I'm challenging myself about why I'm really doing this. And so I'd be really interested to see what the answer is. So. Um, four weeks before the Olympic Games, we had a moment on the water which erupted. Our coach was there laughing. Dunks came out with a comment to the coach which was, so what are you going to do about it now? An argument between Dunks and I. And, and I said, mate, he ain't going to help us. <laughs> We're going to sort this shit out for ourselves. Yeah, and and the water. Oh, mate, and it was, yeah, this guy's 200 centimetres tall, 100 kilograms. So when he's in a half, <laughs> there's a bit of mass there. So he stormed off. He walked back to the hotel. I got in the car with Chris and I sort of sat there going, oh, that could have just stuffed up the Olympic Games. We'll see what happens. And we got back to the room and, you know, same question. Why are you really here? Mm. And I tried to explain to him, why I was doing what I was doing and why it had changed from when I was a young athlete to when I was there. And um, and for me, that, that ability to just keep repeating that question, and eventually he goes, I've got an answer for it now. You know, he spoke about our friendship, he spoke about his family, he spoke about a whole lot of things around his dad, and he was in tears. And I remember sort of sitting there saying, that's it, we can do anything now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and what I tried to express to him along the way was the reasons why I was doing it, was mm. I was sick of all... I suppose, if I can say this, the bullshit in yeah, sport yeah, yeah. and the, the hierarchy of the Olympic Games and a lot of sports industries, which is, for me, just the gravy train crap. Yeah. And as an athlete, the purity is, if you get caught up in that sort of stuff and you play that game, well, then you're never going to really be there and do a great job. But if the purity is, well, actually, we've got to start long at a finish line. No one can stop what we do. Yeah, and that breakthrough for my mind was, wow, actually, I love that freedom, that expression physically mm. and it was just looking for a partner who we wanted to be on that journey for that and Duncan was there mm. um, so it was why are you here but just keep asking yeah, yeah. why you're really here why you're really here because I think it's all too easy to go with the first yeah. couple of responses rather than keep digging um, and later on one of the other questions I found which was interesting in rowing was you know will it make the boat go faster mm. and it came from the um, British men's eight in 2000 and they started asking internally in their crew and three answers are yes no maybe mm. well yes you keep doing it no you cut it away and maybe you've got to do some experimenting and exploring and find some evidence for it so and I like that sort of thing as to 
the specifics of the activity you're doing. It could be anything. Why you're doing this in business? Why you're doing this in the community? Yeah, yeah. Will it make the market faster? Just cut straight through. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Robbo, uh, we've got another big day tomorrow, and I'm going to get Drew get to bed, and I want to go to bed as well. But Drew, thank you, mate. Uh, honestly, I, I'm so impressed with you as a man, with with you coming on tour and what you bring to the tour. Um, and I think the story you shared about your mum today and going past the the hospital and stuff. It just, it just Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It shows that, you know, you're a sports star, but you're also a great guy. And we, we love having you here. Thanks for sharing your stuff on the Mojo Radio Show, mate. And um, we'll have to get you back on the show, probably from the studio, so we can get Robert asked some questions. He's a, he's a footy coach. And he would have a lot of, a lot of questions about sport because they get the, get the young under 30s, the next grand final. So, mate, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Much appreciate it, mate. Thanks for having Getting me. your mojo working. This is the Mojo Radio Show. So you have a thing for Olympians, don't you? Roger Black, we've spoken to in the past. Yeah. Now Drew. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Dan what's going Collins. on there? Dan Collins? There you go. Dan. Drew actually knows Dan and spoke okay. very highly. We actually spoke quite a bit about Dan and his content and stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's been very good. I think, And I think our audience uh, around the world quite enjoyed the Olympic thinking. Mm. Uh, and I was, so I was quite inspired by talking to Drew tonight. But he's also agreed to come back on the show because... Once I'd finished recording, we did find some interesting angles that I'd like to share with our audience. So once we get the tour done and he gets back to Melbourne, we're going to hook up with a proper studio recording and just sit down with Drew and, uh, and drill in some other stuff about the Olympics and his career and his philosophies. Uh, he's got a lot to offer. Love that gear. So it's getting pretty late into the evening and you've got a long day tomorrow, huh? Yeah, we get 215 k's tomorrow. All the boys want to go to sleep as well. How about I finish up the show from yep. here and you go catch some Zeds, huh? Yep. All right, mate, we'll catch you soon, huh? Bro. The Mojo Radio Show's Tour de Cure special. So while Gaz slips off into uh, to Nine-Eye land, there is one man and his crew who are probably the backbone of the whole operation. Um, the catering truck becomes the centre of your universe when you're miles out in the middle of nowhere and you want some grub at lunchtime or afternoon tea. And so Gary spent some time this afternoon when they got into town and caught up with the man who provides not only the nourishment, but I would also imagine the uh, the motivation in some cases to get to the next stop. Robbo, I am in the back of the catering truck that follows us around and has done for 10 years. And I'm with the head chef, the guru who creates the most amazing meals for us, three meals a day, plus morning teas, afternoon teas. Chris Koch from Canadian Kitchens. Buddy, uh, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, Robbo, it is dark. 
Everybody's heading to dinner except on the back of the truck with the three chefs who are getting ready for our breakfast tomorrow and our lunch tomorrow and all the meals on the road. Chris, um, you are catering for 200 people on the road. Tell me, how, how, do you, how do you do that out of the back of a van? Uh, there are there's how do I start? there are some challenges. Um, obviously, being organized. I got um, th th this is the reason I come on tour. Actually, was I just recently on the start of this particular tour was schooled, and I was schooled by uh, a 12 year old um, who the tour all knows. All knows. Um, we were standing on the start of the tour in the room with all the cyclists and support and everybody yeah. in the room at, at the beginning just like a day ago and we we're standing at dinner and you look over the sea of mm. people around us and like anybody should be in my position i was shit scared really unnerved and i was standing with uh connor's connor's sister connor's older sister mm, mm. who's what 12 now I yeah yes yeah, yeah. And uh, they, you know, they said, gee, chef, you don't, you don't look yourself. You look, you know, unsettled. And I said, well, look at, look around. You look at all these people. I've got to figure out how to feed them for the next ten days. And Connor's sister, whose name escapes me at the moment, says, "That's all right, chef. Just simplify." Oh. So, you know, that, moments like that are why you come on tour because you never know when you're going to get a lesson. Mate, we've um, we've been touring now for. 10 years doing breakfasts and lunches and dinners tell me tell me in your memory the most extraordinary place that you have served us a meal yeah everybody everybody knows that that's uh everybody who's been on tour knows that's dead horse gap dead horse gap yeah, because yeah, uh, our, our dear friend and major supporter, Mark Barretts, yeah. decided that it would be a really spectacular <laughs> idea if we went up to Dead Horse Gap at sunrise, because that would make, like, winning television. Winning to people would love that. That would be <laughs> the best thing to do. And, of course, we went up there, and uh, if you haven't been there, it's just a big parking lot on the top of the hill, so you can't... A big hill. <laughs> on a top of a big hill, and so you can't see, even when you're up there in the dark, you can't see there's no point of reference because you're on the top. And so we drove up there in the dark, and I had to pan around with the headlights and say, so are we, are we in the park? Are, are we off the road? And so we, you know, and I think Jimmy James was with me, and we, so we set up and uh, eventually everybody showed up and we were in a reasonable spot and we cooked breakfast and then everyone was really cold they're standing around generator was very cold and i said well you know it's not that bad and i'm you know over the top of the grill jeez they're not eating much today had a little gripe like that we went to clean up and uh, i said jeez they need any of the fruit platter and then they said that's because it's frozen oh no that's because it's frozen chef i went oh <laughs> and then we couldn't even clean the tables down because as you sprayed the spray and wipe on the tablecloths, it would free, oh, wow. it would mist and freeze and settle on the tablecloth. So that's easily the the award-winning. And we had to get up at like three in the morning, two thirty in the morning to to do this in the cold, in the cold <laughs> to go and do this. And then the riders had to ride up. I think mm. it's what about you? Were you there? It was about yeah, 10, yeah, about yeah, ten yeah. k's, wasn't it? I was at lie at least that. Yeah, yeah about ten k's. Uh, very steep hill. Heck so a heck mm. of a climb. So mm. all the riders were really impressed. Mm very popular day for Mark. Uh, I think shortly after that he was hit by a roux. Yeah, yeah I was there too. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, I don't, there, it was some sympathy, you know, <laughs> it was balanced. <laughs>
You know, Chef, one of the, the most obscure places I remember is uh, we were riding 284 kilometres from Cessnock to Tamworth and we came to afternoon tea and we turned into a farm and you were set up in a paddock and old mate the farmer came out and you were set up sitting us with afternoon tea in a cow paddock and you never failed to put on a brilliant meal of some description like today's meal was themed what do we we were yeah what do we have today Texas brisket Texas Texas brisket Texas brisket and barbecue chicken yesterday was pulled pork yeah pulled pork all of the stuff that athletes need to get through of course yeah tomorrow tomorrow we're going to Greece incidentally oh right so Chris tell me just give give our listeners a chance to understand exactly how much food do 140 riders right now and 40 support crew how much just give me an idea of some of the numbers of some of the stuff you're going through uh, let's see um what, what, what do we still let's start with breakfast so it's uh that's a case a case and a half of eggs so reminding people the case is 12 packs uh by 15 so that's uh yeah hundreds hundreds <laughs> and, and we go through a case and a half of wow. eggs uh we go through how much? Uh, how many? How much bacon? About uh, eighteen kilos. About 18, 18, kilos. 18, 20 kilos of bacon. You can't get enough bacon. Yeah, you can't have enough bacon. Uh, Bersham easily always, of course, is a staple. Yeah, is the, yeah. Kilo. It's just twelve point twelve point wow. twelve point five kilos of of the oats. And, yeah, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's and that's got a kilo of honey in it, and you know, and on that goes. Uh, I've been knocking down bananas all day because I love my bananas. Yeah. How many bananas are we going through a day? Uh, well, uh, we average about five cases a day. Five cases a day, and how much coffee do you? How much? Where's the sway cyclist? How yeah. much coffee do you reckon we're knocking ooh, back? Ooh, I have to check. I think we were doing uh, three three kilos. Three kilos, which is a, not much a day. Uh, yeah, three kilos a day. Uh, remembering uh, a kilo is about uh, about 60 to 80 cups depending on the pour yeah yeah so and Robbo all this has been done out of the Canadian Kitchen's van which I'm standing in now with three of the chefs who are all working very very hard in the dark for tomorrow morning's brekkie as you can hear Chris how big is this van we're working out of uh, no it's a reasonable size as far as as small as far as catering trucks go this is yeah. uh, the smallest truck uh, catering truck that I've that I own, that possibly one of the smallest ones we, that we work in. So this one is uh, about 10 meters total length, and of course 2.5. So, yeah, 3.8 so, high. Uh, 3.8 high, so. high, and that's what these guys are working out of day in day out. And honestly, Robo, the meals they serve to us in the most extraordinary locations just keeps us going. In fact, I was saying to some of the riders yesterday um, that there are guys that come on tour, riders who come on tour who leave heavier <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's, i don't know how it developed but it became the uh it came the little little standing joke challenge uh for me that uh to see if we could make riders put on weight so you know and then, then be, so then it became a volume and then it became okay so the food has to be good enough that you can't help yourself <laughs> then you go I really don't shouldn't eat this, I shouldn't. but I'm, I shouldn't do that. But I'm going to anyway. How, how good was that rocky road? Just quietly for lunchtime today. Oh, 
loved it. Of course, all the credit goes to my wife who, who pre-prepares the desserts, or most of the desserts. And it was all gluten-free. So, Chris, and to all the boys in the back of the uh, the van here, thank you for the work you do, keeping us on the road. Everybody raves about the work you do. So, Robbo, um, I'm going to go and catch up with some more of the people who are here, some of the celebrities like James Tobin and so on. But, um, Chris, all the boys, thanks for doing what you do, guys. Just Appreciate just it. Quick hi to my, thank you to my team, Greg and uh, Jimmy James, of course, who's been with us the longest, and Greg, this is his second signature tour, so, you know. Both legends. Jimmy J, how many tours have you done? Number eight. Number eight. Oh, we love you, Jimmy. Good on you, Robbo. We'll, uh, we'll back shortly. The Mojo Radio Show. So over the last few years, the Tour de Cure has been lucky enough to draw uh, attention from the media, none more so recognisable than Mark Beretta, who has really given the uh, the Tour some great media exposure. But there are also a couple of other uh, well-known people on the Tour, and Gary caught up with them just a little while ago. So Robbo, I found a, uh, a true TV personality. He's the weather guy from Channel 7. <laughs> and he's also, as you and I both know, is the host of Beauty and the Geek, a show that we both, JT, we're both very, we love it. And we actually had one of the geeks on our program, to be honest. Oh, did you? We did, yeah, we oh, did. Wow. Now, um, <laughs> now, folks, I'm with James Tobin, who is one of our favorite guys on tour. He is um, part of the Channel 7 Sunrise team. He does the weather on the weekends, TV personality, and he's been riding with the Tour de Cure now for a number of years. JT, welcome to the program, mate. Great to have you on the show. Thank you. I just want to add that I'm, I'm part of the Sunrise team in a TV sense, but not part of the Sunrise team on the tour. <laughs> and I feel like it's maybe that like the the TV people that Sunrise rejects that makes Optus the best because <laughs> I've been with Optus now since I started and uh, gee it is a fantastic group of people we I mean I know probably everyone thinks their team is the best but we we really have a great team at Optus yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now JT you've been riding with us for a couple of years now what have you what have you noticed about the tour over the years that keeps bringing you back what do you love about it well, this is my fifth year. Um, it's bigger and slicker and more seamless these days. It's That's kind of one side of it. But the, the real heart of the tour are the people. And there are people here that have done all ten tours. There are people here that are on their first year. But those people pick up the vibe and the feeling from the people who have done it before. And they kind of pick up the ball and they run with it. And then it kind of grows in its own organic way, mm. but in that same vein. Mm. And I think talking to people I've spoken to, there's a guy on tour this year um, who just won an award, um, Jano. He's, he's done a whole bunch of rides, both charity rides and cycling events. And he last night was saying that he's just been blown away by this event and the heart and soul of it he just said he's never experienced anything quite like it so i feel like we're we've got something pretty unique there are people listening to the show who have a business or have their own charity and they'd like to replicate this mm. what do you think what do you think is the pillars that sort of hold this thing up as the the backbone to it on any one day on the tour and probably every day of the tour you laugh a lot you cry at some point uh, you get to know something about at least one person that you didn't know before. I mean, for example, today I found out that one of the guys who I've known for a few years now, um, who's been doing the tour for a few years, a few months ago his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer and they've mm. gone through a, a, a terrible time. 
Um, and there are a number of people I've met on this tour who are in the midst of a terrible time, but they take time away from that and their family and their loved ones, some of them going through cancer, to be on this ride because they feel like this is where they make a difference. Um, and this is more, it's more important to be here than with their wife or with their husband who's uh, going through cancer. Um, so that's, that's one side of it. I think, um, I think in terms of a business, <clears throat> from a business perspective, you feel like you're at the, at the kind of the industry's best. It feels like um, it's, it's combined big business and, um, and getting serious about raising serious money mm. uh, with putting that money in the right place. Because mm. there are a lot of great charities out there that have their heart in the right place and do a really good job and they make some money and it goes to a, a great place but it's nothing like 22 million dollars yeah, yeah. that's a seriously big sum that makes a seriously big JTS speaking of seriously big numbers um, you rode 220 odd <laughs> yeah. kilometres today and you did the weather on channel 7 mate yeah. um, we've just had dinner you're about to go to bed how, how are the legs how are you feeling it was today was a beautiful day okay. it was I'm, I am shattered now <laughs> um, but it, picturesque uh, all the way through uh, it was relatively flat. We were mm. we were rocketing along at about thirty five kilometres an hour for a lot of the mm. day. It was a it was a great two hundred plus day. I haven't done that many two hundred plus days, uh, but we we had a great group of again. You know, today I had some really funny moments. Mm. I learned some really touching things, and then this evening uh, when we got Sam up, there's a little boy. We're in Grafton tonight, obviously, and there's a little boy here who I got to know through a morning show telethon, and he's wow. done stuff with the morning show. And he and his family came along tonight. He got up and Brett's did a little interview. He speaks, he speaks like a a, a, a wise man. And he's uh, 11 year, an 11 year old boy who um, two years ago was diagnosed with cancer. Two years on now, they just a couple of months ago got the all clear. He told yeah. the story about how he got to ring the bell in the oncology ward to say, I'm done and dusted to use his words with this cancer. And uh, that was, a moment that brought probably all of the room to tears and it was very emotional and it reinforces why you do it and those moments happen every day so it doesn't matter that my legs were really hurting today and then I'm shattered now because we get to do it again tomorrow Absolutely. and it's for the right reason. I think this um, this 11 year old Sam we spoke of Robbo um, when Brett said to him um, how rare was this disease he said it was rare enough for me the only kid in Australia who has this disease and really it's so true the hosts of the evening who were hosting our dinner were in tears. I'm going to let JT go to bed Robbo because tomorrow we are climbing up Gibraltar range it's some three or four thousand meters of climbing the climb is about I don't know five or six percent for those people who are cyclists it's about 17 kilometers long and then I we've got 24 a kilometers <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna go. You're gonna go to sleep with that in your mind. It's a big, big day. We're gonna get. I think it's 150 k's. A lot of climbing. Everyone's pretty geared up for this this climb up Gibraltar. So, um, JT, thanks for making the time, mate. I know how you've been up since early this morning doing the weather. You've got to do it all again tomorrow. You've got a big climb in front of you, which is between 17 and 24 kilometers. So, yeah, roughly 17 to 24. But after tomorrow, I just focus on the tour for a week, and then next weekend I get to do the weekend sunrise stuff again. <laughs> There you go. Thanks, JC. Get some sleep. Thanks, Robert. The
Mojo Radio Show. Now, it's pretty difficult to have a bike ride for a charity if you don't have a bike. And the guys from Specialised have been a big part of the Tour de Cure for a couple of years now. And uh, to finish off the show, Gary caught up with one of the guys from Specialised to have a chat about their commitment to the tour and, um, and also to find out how he's holding up. Now, Robbo, our next special guest... Uh I have to say it's pretty warm to my heart because I'm riding one of his bikes and Sam is on the tour. He's from a brand of a road bike called Specialized and they are a big part of our tour, big, big supporters of what we do. I reckon, mate, half the pack's got to be on Specialized at the moment. Mate, welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Tell me, um, Specialized is one of, obviously one of the leading brands in the world of bikes, road bikes and off-road bikes and stuff. How does Specialized come to be involved with the Tour de Cure? What is it about the Tour de Cure that attracts a brand like that? Uh, I, I think we share a lot of values uh, between the organisations and uh, we, one of the exciting things about us uh, being involved in, in giving something back or, or the opportunity to do so is, um, you, you know, the way that Tour de Cure approaches trying to find a cure for cancer. It touches anyone and everyone. Mm. There, there is no select audience. Uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's not for the rich or the poor or men or females or people of any ages. And, uh, and for us, that, that's our audience and, and trying to encourage the message of, of being fit and, and mm. being healthy. Sam, do you have your own association or story to cancer? Like, has that affected you in some way or your family or a loved one or a friend? Absolutely. Uh, I've actually been wanting to come on tour for five years now uh, and luckily yesterday was, was probably the, the perfect highlight of why I, I lost my mother to breast cancer. Um, she had fought for the third time uh, when I was 11 years old and we actually went back to the school I was at when, uh, when she passed away which was McGregor Primary School. and. And to be welcomed back into the school, I wasn't really ready for it, but there were uh, over a thousand screaming kids and to get called up on stage and be able to present the message that Tour de Cure is uh, trying to educate children with um, was really special for me. And, uh, and having lost all the females on mum's side of the family for three generations bar one, uh, I think that education message is, is really clear. So, so cool, Robert. We also, we visited a different school um, to Sam's, to McGregor. We went to Greenslope State School and we have run a competition in conjunction with you guys, giving school children the chance to win a specialised bike. And uh, the kids get to do a colouring in contest and they get to win a bike and there's water bottles involved and then they all designed a specialised helmet which we're going to auction off to raise more money for the fight against cancer and stuff. So Specialised really, it's, it must be nice to see a brand like Tour de Cure that does tie in with the values of the business and something that you can personally be proud of. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we, we seeing the kids' designs uh, at the school I was at as well. Uh, I wish some of them were working for us. Some of them, it, it was amazing. But uh, but yeah, those those shared values are, are really important. And I think about myself and the other people who work for the specialised organisation. Uh, there's so much alignment mm. and shared value there. It really means a lot to us. And and this is our biggest focus as an organisation to get behind mm. for that reason. Mate, tomorrow we climb some three or four thousand meters going up Gibraltar as a JT from Channel 7 has just told us it's about 20 odd kilometers of climbing 
Uh, we got a big day in front of us. You uh, you ready to uh, do some club? Got your, got, your, got your dancing legs on, mate? <laughs> I, I think I've snuck an engine into my uh, into my seat tube to help me get up. But no, look, look lots of hard work and preparations going into uh, in for days like tomorrow. But I'm I'm really looking forward to. Uh, Having now met so many of the great people on tour, I think it's going to be the day that everyone pulls together and helps each other out to get through what's probably going to be the toughest day out there. The Mojo Radio Show's Tour de Cure special. So there you go, guys. There's a little sneak peek behind what is fast becoming one of Australia's biggest fundraising events, the Tour de Cure. Uh, their aim this year, just by the by, is to raise $4.5 million. As I record this tonight, they're already at 4.446. So um, with a number of days to go it looks like they're going to smash that figure which is just awesome now if you do want to get involved you can, it's not too late to make a donation you can jump on to tourdecure.com.au you can donate to a member of the peloton or you can actually just make a donation in general so you know even if it's 10 bucks guys just you know stick your hand in your pocket and give to what is such a good cause and is obviously doing so many great things around the world with such a, a crappy disease now the playout song today could really only be one thing. It's Queen's Bicycle Race. A little story behind it goes that Queen were actually in Montreux in France recording the album Jazz. And while they were sitting on the balcony having some lunch, the Tour de France passed by, which inspired Freddie to write this song. And a little funny story that I was only told the other day, which, um, which goes with it, is the video for the song actually featured 65 naked women riding rented bikes um, around Wimbledon's Greyhound Stadium. But when the uh, production company went to return the bikes, the, uh, the, the rental company insisted that they buy all the seats when they found out what they'd been used for and probably for very good reason. So anyway, guys, it's been a big show. I hope you've enjoyed a little look behind the scenes of the Tour de Cure. Here's Freddie and the boys to play us out and uh, we'll catch you next week.
is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at The Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peter speaking. See you next time.